all right, so Phil, you know, it's Christmas, and, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were recording the podcast, we talked about Die Hard and uh, uh, Mega Hard. Yeah. Die Hard, Mega Hard. I was telling you about like the Reginald <laughs> Bell Johnson thing. Al Powell is supposed to be like the same character. He's played the same character. He's the cop. He's a cop. Because he's always a cop. He's always a cop. But is he the same cop? Yeah. So I looked into it. You know, he's played tons of cops. I mean, you know, he's got to be like one of the most likable cops in history. I know like cops are pretty passe in 2020. These days. For good reason. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I mean, they've always kind of sucked. It's funny that it took people long enough to like this long to sort of like, realize <laughs> they're not that cool. Yeah. But he was cool. He, he was Reginald cool Bill Johnson. Yeah. He'd hang out with him. Yeah. He's, he's a Twinkie. He's, he's a Twinkie guy. He's all about his Twinkies. Yeah. Except for the fact that he killed a child. He's all about Twinkies and shooting kids. Yes. Win some, lose some, you know? Yeah. Which is further, like, you know, making me think of, like, why cops aren't that cool. <laughs> you know, like, even the ones that are <laughs> supposed to be the lovable ones yeah. that you're supposed to like from your favorite TVs, shows, and movies, you know, are <laughs> kind of problematic. Right, so he played a policeman in the courthouse in the Kojak you know, it's a Kojak TV movie. He played Captain Graff in 1987's Plain Clothes. He played Al Powell in order. Die Hard. Yeah, mostly. He played Al Powell oh. in Die Hard. And then he's, his nice. first appearance as Carl Winslow was in an episode of Perfect Strangers. I had no idea about this. It was a spinoff. Yeah, it was a spinoff. I never knew that. So I've watched Family Matters growing up, but... This show mm. called Perfect Strangers, it was a show that didn't star Joe Marie Payton, who was Harriet, his wife, but she was a like sort of co-star, like sort of side character who worked inside of some department store as like an elevator operator. And there was an episode where her husband comes because the place gets, I don't know, like held hostage or something. He's like, coming in as a hostage cop as well. And he's a police officer and he comes in and he helps out. And then she left the show. And it spun off into Family Matters. And it was supposed to be about them together as a married couple. And then, of course, they introduced Steve Urkel and that blew up. And that just became like the biggest fucking thing. Urkel was huge. Did I do that? Don't know. So I had no idea that that was a spinoff. So that's kind of cool. I can't believe you could do a hostage episode in a sitcom like that. It's like that's a normal occurrence in life. Yeah. They did that in the Golden Girls one. And it was the Christmas episode. Fucking weird. I think every... TV show has to do like at least one hostage episode, right? Yeah, but I guess everyone, every, they always have to do a Christmas Carol and yeah. they do the hostage episode. I mean, we've done a hostage episode. Yeah, we just did a hostage episode. I mean, we're not a TV yeah. show, but I mean, we're close. We're yeah. a radio show. We're a radio show, sort of. And uh, mm. that was a hostage yeah. episode. So, I mean, you know, there's tropes you got to hit, guys. And uh, we're hitting them. Different tropes. That's another one. Yeah, that's another TV show. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, can we just, let's just name shows. Yeah. All in the Family. All in the Family. Silver Spoon. The Cosby Show. Ooh, the Cosby Show. Uh, (laughs) Community. Are we talking 80s shows? Uh, Well, now I'm riffing off 80s shows. Yeah. Cheers. The Jeffersons. Jeffersons. Um... Uh, step fuck step brothers <laughs> step brothers <laughs> shit no what's the 
Sanford and Son. That was the one. Sanford and Son. <laughs> Get all these TV shows at the P Drops streaming service available now on all, 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 all apps, all app sites. It's all ads. All ads, all the time. It's everything you could ever want. Every, it's everything. P Drops. And everything you didn't want. New, new streaming service. We're born again patriots. We're letting you know if you want the truest American news about all the proper winners of elections, fraudulent or not, you're going to get them over P Drops. <laughs> Where you can also find the greatest reruns of Family Matters, All in the Family, Different Strokes, <laughs> and The Cosby Show. And The Cosby Show. Then I can't play that. P Drop, let it drip. What if all those characters, though, that, you know, Reginald Bell Johnson has played was the same person? Particularly Al Powell and Carl Winslow. So this theory comes from, it's not my, because I can't be bothered thinking up this stupid stuff, you know, because I've got better things to do with my life, like transcribing these thoughts from somebody else. And protesting fraudulent elections. Yes. <laughs> Trump won, by the way. Dominion! This comes from Michael Garraway. At Cracked. It starts with Ghostbusters. <laughs> so, Reginald Bell Johnson played the jail guard in New York. He gets tasked with escorting four scientists, the Ghostbusters, to the mayor's office, where he says the whole island's gone crazy. After the EPA agent Walter Peck. Dickles. It's weird, but later he becomes an LA TV reporter after he's laughed out of New York for his horrible handling of the famous Marshmallow Man, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man incident in New York City. He had to go out west and he couldn't even work for the EPA or whatever stupid job, city job he worked for. He had to become an LA TV reporter. I mean, he could have stayed, could have stayed in New York, could New York... Um, it's the most forgetful city in the world <laughs> that we saw in Ghostbusters 2 when Absolutely. they act like the Marshmallow Man didn't happen. Um, so they could have waited it out, but you're right, they they, they moved on. Yes. So Moved to LA, um, catch the rain. So after Walter Peck Dickless. shut off the containment in the Ghostbusters basement, releasing a bunch of pissed off spirits, this is after all that happened. Ooh. So if he's the same guy as Al Powell, he was likely inquisitive and he overheard Egon explaining what is happening and that there was a Sumerian god that showed up to destroy humankind. You know, and Powell, he was pretty talkative, so he probably would have asked the Ghostbusters what was going on in Egon. The theory was that maybe Egon would have offered his Twinkie analogy to this jail guard who was escorting them. She definitely would. She would have. Yeah. Because Powell is really talkative, and he loves Twinkies. If he sees a fucking Twinkie around, he's going to want to talk about it. But he hasn't quite become obsessed with Twinkies yet. Because this is what makes him become obsessed with Twinkies. This is a come-to-Jesus moment. His come-to-Jesus moment. So he was was obsessed with Twinkies after this, and they come to represent evil and badness in his mind. And he just thinks the Twinkie must be contained. 
So since Al Powell is already at the mayor's office and when the Ghostbusters say they need an escort to Central Park West, he would also be on scene when Gozar comes back in the form of a hundred foot tall marshmallow man. Which might be Twinkie filling? I I don't know. I mean, I know there's Stay Puft marshmallows and then there's Twinkies and Twinkies aren't really marshmallows inside, but it's some weird creamy stuff and... But that was the first thing I cried thought of. Yeah, cream. Oh, marshmallow if, man, yeah. you know. Yeah, <laughs> cream. <laughs> you know we've got cream on the mic. But you know, and it, it would just, it would take, you know, a similar situation with Al Pal if he confronted with a goat and it like yeah. choose, you must choose. You must choose. What form I take. Yes. First thing, fucking Twinkie. I mean, what you got? You got a massive Twinkie just fucking sliding through the city. Yeah. Just absorbing everything it touches. End of life, we know. It'd be delicious, but horrible. If you think that's not real as well, I mean, we learned from the Nutty Professor that Eddie Murphy, Sherman Clump, had a dream where he met a ghost, and the ghost told him that it's going to take over the world. And when he was wondering what form it would take, he looked in the mirror and he saw how like overweight he was, and he was really upset with his own body. And then he blew up into the Very biggest fun. giant man, like the Statehood. Save yeah. up Marshmallow Man and start crashing around the city. So it can happen yeah. to you if you think about it. So be careful what you think about and what you wish for and uh, what you ask Santa Claus for Christmas. Because you might just get. You might just get it. A hundred foot tall version of it and it might just wreck your life. But in the span of a day, Powell has come <laughs> to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in the span of a day, Powell has come to learn definitively that there is an afterlife and it's not necessarily a pleasant one. And also that demonic transdimensional... You're right, that's life-changing. Yeah, transdimensional gymnasts could uh, at any moment <laughs> cross into our reality and kill us all. In the most comical way that Dan Aykroyd can think of. So... <laughs> and that Rick Moranis is a dog. <laughs> So after the Ghostbusters incident in New York, Powell has a mental breakdown and he moves to LA. It's a transfer. And he starts eating a lot of Twinkies. This assures that they can never grow big and threaten mankind again. If he eats all of them, exactly. I'm with you. He's gotta kill them. He's gotta eat them all. Yeah, he's saving the world one Twinkie at a time. Absolutely. In Die Hard, there's the famous scene where you first see Powell, he's buying a bunch of Twinkies. He lies to the clerk who makes fun of him. And he says that like they're for his pregnant wife. For the wife. He later, when he's talking to John McClane, has an encyclopedic knowledge of Twinkies down to the, you know, each ingredient that they're made of. Mm. So he obviously knows about yeah. Twinkies. How many Twinkies would a man need to eat before he managed to memorize if all the ingredients down to polysorbate 60? Yellow dye number five. You know? Probably none. He could probably not eat any Twinkies at all and he could still memorize them. <laughs> Because we have minds that, you know, allow us to memorize things. Retain information. Yeah. Yeah. But for this, it's only because he's addicted. It's real, real problem. Yeah. And he's definitely had about 125,000 since he's moved to LA. Definitely diabetic. (laughs) (laughs) So in Die Hard 2, Powell is seen sitting at a desk covered in Twinkies as he takes a call from John McClane. Comically covered in Twinkies. Comically covered. 
fill me out. In his mind, the Twinkie connection and also the obvious junk food connection in New York City being attached by a junk food mascot is the cause of paranormal destruction. So he is unconsciously trying to prevent it by eating as many as he can. Powell, he's just so shaken by his experience in New York, he ends up shooting a child in the line of duty. An event that further damages his psyche and gets him put on death duty. Not that he pulled himself on death duty, he got put on death duty. He lied about that as well, just so you know. So we've established him as an unreliable narrator. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's up to us to really fill in the blank. Yeah, so you can say whatever you want. I mean, at this point, he's unreliable. <laughs> we can disregard everything he's done. Just disregard it. Yeah, to that. Yeah. We have no motive. We have no ulterior motive. Yeah, none at all. I mean, I, I could care less. Care less. Uh, <laughs> not only does Powell tell the, the clerk in the store that he has a pregnant wife, but he tells the same thing to John McClain. How do we know this is a lie? It's not because he's working a job where he could easily, you know, have to chase down someone and like accidentally like jam his finger up. He's wearing a ring. It might like, you know, hurt his finger and get all swollen and get all crazy. You know, like most physical jobs that you have like that or if you're in like some sort of fighting league or something, you don't wear rings or sports, whatever it is. Yeah, danger. But Powell's riding death duty. So we gotta remember, he's not seeing much action. And uh, he isn't wearing a wedding ring. So this is how we know he is lying when he's buying the Twinkies from the shop in the first Die Hard movie. He's fucking lying. He's full of shit. Yeah. Full of shit and Twinkie. So until now, <laughs> until now, <laughs> Al Powell seems to keep it together as well as he can be expected, considering the mind-fucked circumstances, but the fabric of his reality yeah, the trauma crashing down with the single event set into motion by an LA news reporter. Incidentally, the former Dickless ETA agent responsible for the near destruction in New York City. In LA, the Dickless reporter digs too deep into McLean's backstory, <laughs> putting the- deep. <laughs> Putting the entire Nakatomi <laughs> Tower and everyone involved in the attack at risk. I mean, not really. Twice. He's he, twice. This guy really. Yeah, no, it's at fault. This guy really. He hired I mean, Hans Gruber. Whatever. I don't think he really did. It really didn't matter. I mean, Hans Gruber could have like killed all those people if he really <laughs> wanted to. And also, John McLean could have killed Hans Gruber if he wasn't such a fucking idiot. Uh, and it could have been <laughs> over. But whatever. This is. Yeah. Moving past this. This is all Dickless's fault. It's not their story. Yes. So. Yeah. It is his presence, this Dickless character's presence that cues Powell's breakdown. In this second case, it's manifested in the shooting of Carl at the end of Die Hard. Not Carl. It gets deeper, because boy, let me tell you. When he shoots Carl, he is already traumatized by killing the innocent kid. This action of being forced to use his gun again makes him snap. Unable to find peace on either coast of America, he receives deeper deeper into his mind and moves to Chicago, still a cop, but one where his duties never interfere with the solid, loving home life that he's created for himself in this fantasy world that he lives yeah. in. But this time, he's back on the streets, yeah. baby. He's back, he's back on the streets he's on the with beat. his gun. He's on the beat. And not just a pregnant wife either. He has a wife, three kids, a sister-in-law, a sister-in-law's little son, baby, and his mother all surrounding him to give him support 
whenever he needs it and for whatever he needs. And he can even make them disappear like Judy in like season three or four. She was gone. Benito, gone. Where did Judy go? That's for next week. Uh, he's a he's a family man. <laughs> Dealing with family matters. Ah, it's, a- it's not Al Powell. He's Carl Winslow. Carl Winslow. A man never attacked by terrorists or spirits of the undead. Powell's overwhelming guilt having shot another person, Carl, with a K, and the implications of what it meant for his victims in the afterlife caused Powell to become a new Carl with a C in his own mind. Someone who can live out a peaceful and happy life. And he even wears a wedding ring this time. <laughs> Everything's going pretty well in his family life. Everything's going well for a while. He experiences the typical ups and downs, you know, of a sitcom family. He's living in this fantasy world where you can hear canned laughter and all sorts of hijinks going around, yelling at his kids about report cards. They're taking hostage once in a while. Yeah. His son getting into gang violence, you know, some little little episodes where, you know, his son getting like, you know, messed with by police officers because of the color of his skin. Some really good moments, you know, some really good hard hitting moments. And it's like, it's beautiful but all this comes crashing down a 13 year old boy named stephen q urkel who lives next door starts knocking on the door trying to ask out his daughter and urkel takes over the show urkel is annoying and he inexplicably drags carl along on a series of more and more preposterous events but why because urkel is a manifestation of al pal's guilt his own personal devil urkel is the boy the Powell shot come back in the most obnoxious form possible and completely impossible to get rid of. He haunts Carl because he's literally an angry spirit. The spirit's back, baby. He thought he got rid of it, but he didn't. We already know it's possible because in, this is the same universe Ghostbusters exists in. They exist. They exist. That's, that's already been confirmed. Carl mentally traumatized internalizes the haunting and is unable to distinguish reality from fantasy, thus giving Urkel, the spirit, total control of his life, despite his ability to always enrage and frustrate Carl. So in the real world, wouldn't any adult, let, let alone a police officer, have the wherewithal to put his foot down and stop a bothersome pest like shoot that kid again? <laughs> Of course they would. Of course a police officer would shoot an unarmed, nerdy little kid. Because cops are assholes. But Carl is powerless. And as each horrible torture befalls Carl and his family, his tormentor cries, Do not do that. Only to serve to mock Carl. Or Al. Even more. Because Carl... Because he did do that. Or Al did do that. He did do that. He killed the boy. He then shot Carl after trying to find a place where he would never need to fire his gun again, knowing the horrors of the potential afterlife that would await his victims. Steve cries for Carl's cries. Did I do that? Yes, you did, Al. You done that. You fucked up. (laughs) With this fantasy family disappearing, Carl Winslow begins his final descent into madness with Steve Urkel in a series of increasingly stupid adventures from robots to dolls, to racist Bruce Lee parodies, to pirate adventures, to time travel, 
<laughs> to teleportation chambers, to to the juice, to make you a suave man. Magic potion. Yeah. Make them cool. I remember. And he's lost. Steve Ocal. <laughs> Even Steve marries his daughter. His own. His only daughter. <laughs> he, what happened to Judy? What happened to Judy? Yeah. What happened to Judy? Justice for Judy. Justice for Judy. Where is she? Red you know, that's just one theory, Phil. I mean, <laughs> that feels like ten theory than one. I buy it. How did the end go? I mean, that's pretty much it. He's just doomed to be stuck in this world with Steve. His own personal hell. God damn. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, cool. I figured he'd be captain of a precinct now. What, it, what was it that Carl used to say? Three, two, one. One, two, three. What is the matter with me? Steve! <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be his uh, epitaph. You know? <laughs> There's this dude on the subreddit called Fan Theories, which... Is absolutely amazing. Fan theories is amazing. I love it. It's, there's so much bullshit on it. His name is Jerry the King. Lawyer. <laughs> Lawyer. Oh. <laughs> and that's what the Jerry Lawler will need if he keeps, you know, doing his thing. Doing his thing. He's a we dirty man. About it. Dirty man. Fuck Jerry Lawler. Dirty, dirty, dirty man. So he basically, this man, Jerry the King Lawyer, says the same thing, but it's basically backwards. He says, Carl Winslow and Sergeant Al Powell are one and the same, both played by Reginald Bell Johnson. Carl used to be a happy man living in Chicago with his family and working in the police force. Mm -hmm. One day he shoots a kid, as he told John McClane, that had a toy gun. He resorts to riding a desk consumed by his grief. Out of all sorts with the world, Carl fakes his death, changes his name to Al Powell and moves to LA to restart his life. He marries and starts working again as a police officer. He then regains his sense of worth by saving John and Holly's life at the end of Die Hard. When he's questioned, this is Jerry the King lawyer is getting questioned by his proof. He said, It's circumstantial, no affirmative evidence, but I'm sure if I watch Die Hard and Family Matters again, I'll find some. Over the course of nine seasons, I'm sure Carl would have said something that would have led someone to believe that theory is possible. I'm (laughs) thinking. That guy really wants to be right. Yeah, I mean, that theory is completely stupid because, like, Family Matters lasted for, like, ten years after Die Hard, it was after Die Hard. So how could it be like a reverse theory? Mm. It doesn't make sense. Sorry, Jerry the King Lawyer. No, it can't be in that order. Case thrown out, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. Next. Breadcrumbs.